Well, church, I uh, bring you back to the attention of our Philippians passage today. Philippians chapter 4, 10 through 23, thankfulness and God's provisions. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, I, I welcome you as well. And um, I, I just pray that, uh, that you've been able to just see the, the movement of God in this place and through our worship time and singing and now prayerfully through the word. If you're a guest, we have been going through the book of Philippians and today we do reach the concluding passage uh, where we're finishing up Paul's letter. And if you've never read through Philippians before uh, or if you've been out of the past several weeks, uh, we have been uh, at this point now where Paul has been continually writing while he's been in prison, talking about joy and finding the, the opportunities to rejoice in God and, and be thankful in all things. And as we've seen continually through this message or through this passage um, week after week, we've seen how that theme of the thesis of this letter continually comes through. Philippians 1.27, to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that's been continual over and over and over. We've seen it applied in different areas as Paul's been writing. And we're going to even see it today in this concluding passage. Now, if you, if you haven't ever read through Philippians before, I, I mentioned just a moment ago that Paul's been writing from prison. And he's still writing about this concept of thankfulness and joy and rejoicing in the Lord. And we're going to even see today at the tail end of the message how, despite our circumstances, great things can still come from it. We must still be deeply rooted and saturated in our identity in Christ and find joy in that. So with that said, before we move further, let's stand one more time as we honor the reading of God's word with Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. And the word of the Lord says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share your trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment, and more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had exalting the name of Christ from the choir singing and through our congregational singing with the band and even through Miss Beth playing the offering song for us. And Lord, as we've given to you, Lord, and worship to you in our giving of our tithes and offerings, we come to the point now, Lord, where we, where we study your word. 
Father, I pray, God, that in this moment, Lord, as we are doing so, Lord, that every distraction does fade away, Lord, that we, that we would not be so worried about the things of the world that are going on right now, Lord, that we would not be worried about what is to come in the upcoming week or maybe what we have just currently been going through, but, Lord, that we would be able to push pause on those things, clear our minds, and hear from you today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak to hearts today. Father, I pray, God, that you would encourage us Lord, convict us, equip us, whatever it is that you have for us today. Lord, we pray, God, that you bring it. Lord, we pray that we would not put up a, a brick wall to it or try to deflect from it or run from it, Lord, but we would run to it. We would run to you, Lord, and trust you along the way. Pray, God, that you be glorified, Lord. I don't know who is speaking right now at Wanda Woods with Pastor Frank being out, but, Lord, I pray that whoever is standing in the pulpit now would, would glorify your name, would exalt the name of Christ as he preaches your word. Be glorified, Lord. We love you and we bless you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we're going to see today, as we close out the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to them, and we're closing out this series, we can see how to be thankful for God's provisions, the need to partner in ministry, and the need to be thankful in all circumstances. So if you're taking notes, I hope you are. You can go ahead and put down for the first point. Be thankful for God's provisions. Be thankful for God's provisions. Look at verse 10, the first part. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Now, if you recall from way back in the the beginning of this series, if you were here, you can go online and listen, or you can even go and read the beginning of chapter 1. We see how Paul begins this letter with this greeting. Now, in in most of Paul's letters as he's writing, he he has that initial greeting, and then he starts to close it out with another greeting, if you will. He starts his out at the beginning with thankfulness. And again, he's doing it here at the tail end of this letter to the Philippians. He's describing his thankfulness to God for them. Throughout this passage we're seeing today. Here again, though, we see that Paul is mentioning this word rejoice. He's again describing his amount of rejoicing in the Lord that he has. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. He rejoices in the Lord greatly. I'm just continually, as I've been studying through this book, just been so blown away by Paul's attitude despite his circumstance. It's been such a good reminder for us. That that no matter what we go through in life, no matter what circumstance we face, we must remember where our joy comes from. It's from our identity that is deeply rooted in Christ Jesus, if you're in Christ. And because of that, Paul knows Christ Jesus. He knows that he has him in the palm of his hand. He knows that he is with him. And so Paul rejoices. But in this regard, he's talking about how he rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now at length, because the Philippians have revived their concern for Paul. These Philippian believers, as we have talked about all through here, as Paul's been describing to them, they have had the same mind. Paul has been encouraging them to continue to have the same mind and and their walk with Christ as believers together. But the, the Philippians as a whole, they have the same mind as Paul in the sense that they are partners with him in ministry. We're going to look at that more in just a moment. But this theme of having the same mind, it plays all throughout the book. Literally, it's in every single chapter that we've looked at so far. Paul references it in some way, shape, or form. And it's also interesting to note how the concern at the beginning of the letter in chapter 1 was Paul's concern for the Philippians. 
And now at the tail end of this letter, as Paul is finishing up his writing to them, he is now turning it and showing the fact of how he is rejoiced because of their concern for him. Now we see there that it says that you have revived your concern for me. You might say that and you might read that and say, well, why has it been revived? Was there some kind of tension? Was there some kind of issue of why the Philippians did not have concern for Paul? Well, if you look there at the second half of verse 10, 10b, it says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. You see, they have been concerned for Paul continually. They have been wanting to support Paul continually. But up until this point, there has been no opportunity for them to do so. So Paul is reminding them, hey, I'm rejoicing in the Lord that it has been revived in you, that you have this concern for me, that you're partakers with me in the gospel of grace, of the gospel of Christ and, and, and coming alongside of me. I'm so thankful for that. Verse 11 says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul's about to go into his explanation of his contentment in Christ. He's about to do so, and he's about to bring glory to God. And why? But he's just saying, guys, I'm not speaking that I'm in need because I've learned that no matter what I face, no matter what situation comes, I am to be content. Paul knows that despite the circumstances that he has been in, that he's in currently, or that he even will be in, that his contentment is in Christ. He knows, as we've talked about continually throughout this series, that Christ is with him always. The Holy Spirit, he indwells Paul, just like he indwells each of us in this room that proclaims Christ Jesus as Lord. Verse 12 says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul goes on to give this range of, of different things that he describes there where he's, he's found himself to be a part of. Yet no matter what, he has stayed focused and content. This will vary uh, in, in the life of every believer. We, we will have all kinds of different circumstances. We, we will have different kinds of hardships. Some of us may have similar ones. Some of us may go through things together that are the same thing. But each of us has a, has a different story of our lives, do we not? Every single one of us has a different backstory. Every single one of us has a life that's a different story moving forward. And no matter what comes the way of us, no matter what we encounter, no matter what, we must continually press on, as Paul talked about just a few weeks ago when we looked at that in that passage, of, of continually pressing on and running this race for the upward call of the goal of Christ Jesus We must stay focused and content as Paul has talked about. He is remaining content all throughout the process. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is a verse right there that pretty much every single believer in this room or anyone that's listening online would say, I've heard that verse. I've memorized that verse. I've used that verse before. Even if you're here and you do not know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've heard that verse probably before. You've probably seen it utilized at a sporting event. You've probably seen it utilized in in, in some kind of other way. A lot of times when this verse is quoted, it's quoted out of context. 
A lot of times it is. A lot of times it's quoted because I'm about to go and take on this, this game, this football game, and I'm going to do this. I can do all things through Christ. I can do this. Or I'm about to go into this weightlifting competition. I know I'm giving silly examples, but you know we, we kind of give these different kind of situations. But if you look at it in the context of why Paul is saying it with 12 and 13 there, we see where Paul is getting at with this. Because again in 12, he says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to go abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. And you can put it in there like this. In any of those things, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Given what we've just read in verse 12 and seeing what Paul says here in verse 13, Despite the circumstances that comes our way, we can always remember that it is Christ who strengthens us, that sustains us, that gets us through. So when we're faced with temptations and they come our way, Scripture tells us that God always provides the way out. It is through the strength of Christ in us that we can push forward through those things. No matter what the circumstance is that we have laid out before us a diagnosis or whatever, even though things may look very, very difficult and very, very hard and very, very bad because of who we are in Christ and our identity in Him and the fact that He is with us, He sustains us, He strengthens us to get through it. He helps us make the way. Now this is, this is a beautiful reminder to us that when our contentment is in Christ, we know who we are in Him, we trust Him with our lives as we talked about a couple weeks ago, then we will be strengthened. We are able to push forward and to move through things. The promise, the promise is of no good without Christ, is it not? If you read that verse and we see the circumstances and everything going on, if we read it and we say, I can do all things, that's it. I can do all things. Okay, can you do all things? No. Not in our own strength, not in our own ability. It's through the power of God in our lives that leads us and that orchestrates things for us and that, that we must seek out and follow and be obedient to. He is the one that strengthens us. So when life is difficult and it's hard and we're faced with these different things and we wake up in the morning and we don't know how we're going to even take on the day, it's the power of God that dwells inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us no matter what, no matter when we've been brought low, no matter when we abound. We can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Second thing we see, be thankful and partner up. Be thankful and partner up. Verse 14 says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. It was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul reminds the Philippians of how thankful he is for their sharing with him in the gospel. He wants the Philippians to know that they have played a significant part. There's two things just in that verse alone that we can see. In verse 14, he says, it was kind of you to share. Let's stop there for a moment. It was kind of you to share. Sharing in the Greek comes down to the word fellowship. They were partners with him in ministry. The Philippians were his partners. They were there with him. 
In, in the New American Commentary um, by Richard Mellick Jr., he says, a deep partnership of two going the same direction. A deep partnership of two going the same direction. If they are going in opposite directions, they're not partners together. They're not, they're not in fellowship together for this purpose. They were partners in ministry. And Paul is thankful for that. Paul is thankful for them coming alongside of him and aiding him. The Philippians give to Paul financially, and they help him. And he's so thankful for their sharing in that. And he also says, sharing in his troubles. It was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul faced hardships. We know that. We've described that. We've talked about that. And he viewed these hardships very significantly because it's this idea of them being partners together in ministry and helping each other in ministry. It's this idea and this concept that they are there with him through it. They are there with him through it. It is this overall significance of the partnership. It's this overall significance of the fact that they are willing to do any and all things that they can with him. Now, are they physically with Paul at this moment? No. But by their giving and their receiving and their caring for Paul and their desiring to send things to him, as we'll see in just a moment, via Epaphroditus, they are partaking in the ministry with him. They are coming alongside of him and helping him. It reminds me of something that Paul says earlier in the book in Philippians 1.7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. They are there with him through it, even via distance even via what they're doing, because they have come alongside of him and they have helped him. They have been with Paul through the journey. Verse 15 and 16 says, And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Paul reminds the Philippians, here again, of their partnership being from the beginning of Paul's ministry. When Paul goes and he leaves Macedonia, no church wants anything to do with him. No church comes alongside him and helps him except the Philippians. They saw the need. They saw what Paul was doing, and they wanted to come alongside of him and help him. Now, we know from, from elsewhere, you might think, well, well when it says there, uh, even in Thessalonica. How long was Paul doing that? That's probably a brief step. Well, we know in Acts 17, particularly right at the beginning of chapter 17 in verse 2, that Paul says there that while he's in the synagogues, he did it for three Sabbath days. But we also know from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians that he spent a good bit of time there. And so the Philippians are coming alongside of him and they're helping him continually. They're helping him and partnering with him continually. They provided the aid to him financially, as I said, in prayer. You've got to believe that. They were there for Paul and they supported him. And for us, this is a good reminder to us that we must be faithful in partnering and giving financially to the people and things that God has called us to. 
We just talked about just a few moments ago at the beginning of our service, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And the beauty of what that offering is used for. Giving to all of these church planners and these teams all across North America for the sake of the gospel of Christ Jesus. That is important. And we need to be giving to that. That is something that is over and above our tithes. Uh Uh-oh, pastor's talking about giving. We give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And praise God, our goal was $2,500, and we just missed $4,000. Praise God for that. We can give more. I believe we can. Here's the thing. This is where you guys are like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. But I want to encourage you with something. As part of the vision for us moving forward, to come alongside of our churches, to partner together as kingdom partners for the sake of the gospel, to be able to go into Hersey Elementary, Lord willing, and provide the resources needed to minister to those kids, those faculty and staff, which, by the way, y'all please be praying. I'm supposed to hear tomorrow after a leadership meeting of ways in which that we can be approved to go in there and do those things. Be praying for what God provides with us with that. As we go about and we're going to go into this community, we've been talking a lot about it. It's about to happen. We're going to go into this community and we are going to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that every man, woman, and child may have an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the gospel. But as we are continually doing these things, we have to remember something. And this is something that the Lord has just really burdened me about. And I've been talking with fellow leaders about it. There may be times where we need to look at our budget and we may need to shift our budget around some. Uh Uh-oh. What I mean is this. I'm very, very convinced that we need to be giving more to missions. I'm very, very convinced that we need to be giving more to outreach. Because when we think of it in this context, when it comes to outreach, that is our local missions. I'm very, very convinced that we need to move these things around and adjust these things in our budget, and we need to be faithfully giving more as a church, both individually and corporately. God has blessed us, church. God has blessed us tremendously with a beautiful facility. Next year, we celebrate 75 years of ministry at this corner of Park Circle. And and so much has happened in this community over the last 75 years. And we are at a very important time right now where the harvest is literally plentiful right outside of our walls. God said it in his word and we pray it every day. The harvest is plentiful. He don't lie. It's there. The harvest is right outside of our doors. And we have to do things to be able to aid and use the monies that we have for resources to be able to reach the harvest. So with this beautiful facility that God has given us, there are some things, yes, that we have got to give money towards to be able to keep things going. Yes, we've got to pay the bills. Yes, we've got to be able to pay salaries. Yes, we've got to be able to make repairs 
which we have a list of repairs that we've got to do. Yes, we need to do some renovations and things like that. Those are all important things, and those are all things that need to be addressed. But with the money that God has given to us, every day in our lives that he provides for us, we need to faithfully trust and be obedient with the money that he has given to us, what we feel he is calling us to give, so that this church can use those funds for the sake of reaching every man, woman, and child with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to. And in doing so, we, we, we may have opportunities where we are going to be partnering with people. I would, I would rejoice and praise God if a church planner was brought up in our church and said, God has burdened my heart to go to this part of town and preach the gospel. Praise God, brother. Let's come alongside of you and help you in that. Let's be partakers in the gospel alongside of you. Like the Philippians were for Paul. We may hear of a missionary who needs aid to take the mission across the globe and proclaim the gospel to people. And they might need our church to come alongside of them and help them in that. I'm just asking you, church, to please be praying and asking God, Lord, where is it that I'm at right now in my relationship? Am I being obedient to you with my finances? Am I being obedient to you with my daily walk with you? I know I'm talking about the giving aspect of it right now, but just think of it in the context of your entire walk. Are you living a life that is worthy of the gospel of Christ? And if you're not, I would encourage you to repent and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do next? You may feel like you're not able to give as much as you can right now. Pray and ask God, what is it that you would have me to do with this, Lord? And if I'm purposely holding back, I repent. And I ask God that you would direct me in what it is that you have for me to do. This is not, this is not a giving message. It's just, I, I, we come to this part of this passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to jump past it. The Philippians partnered with Paul in ministry. They gave to him financially. They helped him. If God opens the door for us, which I believe he will, if we are obedient to him, if God opens the door for opportunities for us to do so, we have to walk through that door. Well, Brian, it might be difficult. We might not have the finances. Let's stop saying we don't have the finances and let's step out in faith and trust God. And let's see what he does. Just like we sang earlier, or the choir sang, he's never failed us yet. He's always with us continually. Let's trust him with what he's given to us, and let's be obedient, and let's bless those that need the assistance to further the gospel. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is making it clear here again that he is not seeking a gift from them, but what he is saying is that he's seeking to see the increase of the fruit to their credit. 
Paul is concerned about the Philippians in this regard. He's not asking for something for himself. He's saying this for them. It reminds me again of earlier in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. He is most concerned with Philippians, as he has been all throughout this letter. And because of their faithfulness and obedience to take care of Paul and others, Paul is like this proud papa, proud shepherd to them, excited to see how they are adding to their heavenly treasure as they continually grow. That reminds me of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. From where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to encourage you. Don't try to go about storing up all these treasures on earth. When God gives you the opportunity or he tells you to step out and trust him and give to this or aid in that, know that it is for an eternal purpose. Know that that you're storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and more. And I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul says that he's well supplied by the gifts that they've given to him. He needs nothing more. He's so thankful and grateful for it. And he says that those gifts are pleasing to God. Notice there that he talks about this concept of this fragrant offering. A sacrifice that's holy, or excuse me, a sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, we read of how the sacrifices are offered to God. And when they were done in obedience and done the right way, it was this beautiful, pleasing aroma to God. It was this fragrant offering. That context for the Old Testament, I'm just going to give you one, one example Genesis 8 21. It's, it's after the, the flood has taken place. It's after Noah has been obedient to God. The, the waters subside, and, and Noah makes the sacrifice to God. And it says, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said it in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature I have done. Obedience to God is a pleasing aroma to him. It's a pleasing aroma. When we walk in obedience, when we live our lives worthy of the gospel of Christ, it's a pleasing aroma to our Abba Father. Don't you want to offer up a pleasing aroma to the Lord? As a church, don't we want to do that? I pray that that is the desire of our heart, that we want to Live our lives in such a way that glorifies God Almighty, that praises His name, and is a pleasing aroma to God. Verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds the Philippians that God will take care of them. 
He's always there. He always is there for them. He will be there throughout the end of time. He is with them continually. God takes care of his children. God takes care of us. And these riches, they can be and are found in Christ Jesus. We see the overwhelming generosity of God Almighty to his creation, his children, in the finished work of Christ Jesus at the cross of Calvary. We see the overwhelming generosity and love of God to His creation, His children, in the finished work of Christ at Calvary. In that moment at Calvary where God's wrath is poured out on Jesus, while Jesus is there taking our place, it shows this overflowing amount of love and grace. Of course God is going to be able to supply every need of ours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus because it is because of what Jesus has done for us that the way is made clear to us and for us. Verse 20, he says, To God the Father in glory forever and ever. Amen. He closes with this Beautiful little bit of like a hymn, like a doxology, if you will. Just like he does earlier in chapter 2, 5 through 11, where it's the Christ hymn. He just gives this praise to God, which brings me very quickly to the last point. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Paul just says, greet every single one of them in Christ Jesus. And all the brothers I have here with me, they send their greeting to you. Their their love and appreciation to you. Verse 22 says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Paul now highlights this broader group of people that have offered their greeting. It's cool to note. It's cool to note. And this is why I said be thankful in all circumstances. Even though Caesar's household have been uh, there, and it, 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 the whole purpose of why Paul's there is he's in prison. The people of Caesar's household offer greetings to Paul. These are Romans. They're offering greetings from Paul, excuse me, to the Philippians. They're able to do that because they now know who? Christ. These of Caesar's household now know Christ. How did they come to hear and know Christ? Because of Paul's proclamation of the gospel to them. Here we see it. We saw it earlier in the book. Paul, while being locked up, rejoices because he is able to go and proclaim the gospel to the whole imperial guard. Although Paul was in a very bad situation, he was thankful in the circumstance because he was able to proclaim the gospel to people that he would not have been able to had he been locked up, not been locked up. And then some outside of the jail. It's really cool to see how God uses our circumstances still for his glory. 
Lastly, in 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Just a beautiful way for him to close it out. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 